Hey guys, just got through talking with Jamie and Donna Winship, and uh, if you don't know who they are, you guys are going to be blown away. Derek called just before the interview started, let me know that something had come up and he wasn't able to make it. So it's just me and them, and I, I joke with them on the front end that I had them all to myself uh, uh, for a whole hour, uh, a whole hour of goodness. These guys were missionaries for, oh, I think, 30 years at least uh, and uh, are now stateside, and they, they know the love of God, and they understand how to bring people into an encounter, into an experience, into a relational understanding of the love of God, and they speak to identity. They have a, a company called Identity Exchange. You can find them at identityexchange.com. They travel, they speak. One of the courses I think that, the, that, that they've just launched, a, a college-like course uh, that's called uh, Becoming What You Believe. It's a deep dive into identity. I know Jamie has a book coming out uh, in June of this year, 2022, and it's called uh, Living Fearless. It's about exchanging the lies of the world for the liberating truth of God. And that's what we did in this podcast. We dove into the important truth that all human conflict originates from fear, and fear originates from a false view of God, ourselves, and others. Until we exchange what's false for what's real, we'll never experience being fully alive, fully human, and fully free. Guys, this is a conversation about freedom. I mean, it's rich. These guys have been rethinking God for a long time, fearlessly, in love, and discovering he's better than we think over and over and over. They're deep wells. This was an honor and a privilege to talk to them. It's an identity podcast. If you're wrestling with who God is, wrestling with who you are, uh, this podcast is going to really encourage you. They actually walk practically through how they would take folks uh, into discovering who God is, into encountering the nature of God. Let me read you this quote from Donna. We go, we go into this. Most people aren't aware that they are living separate from who they really are. Your true identity is the essence of who you are at your core, and it's something to be discovered through your lifetime and worked out in a relationship. And I love this part. She says, you cannot set apart your identity from relationship with God and relationship with other people. It can only develop in relationship. <laughs> yeah, we get into the deep end, and it is really good, really good. Honored to have talked with them, had them on the podcast. I've had several people reach out, actually, and, and recommend that we have them on the podcast. Uh, so we finally were able to get them on. With that being said, uh, if there's someone that you think, these guys got to interview this person, that person. Let us know. Send me an email, jason at afamilystory.org. And if the podcast is a blessing, like, share, subscribe, review, tell your mom, all the fun stuff. Uh, guys, uh, honored to be on this journey with you and really love, love doing this podcast. This one's a good one. I think they're all good, but uh, this one's a good one. So without further ado, Here's my conversation with Jamie and Donna Winship. So good to have you guys. So honored to have you on this podcast. Derek called just before we connected and he just wasn't able to make it. So it's just 
it's just me, which means I get to control the conversation as far as questions. I get to make sure that the ones that I wanted get asked. Yeah, <laughs> we'll trust. We'll trust God's providence and all that. That's it. So good to have you guys. Great to be here. As we were talking beforehand, uh, I'm with Jamie and Donna Winship, and 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 have been wanting to talk to you guys for the last six months. I connected with you and heard about you through Lockheed and Giovanna with Hope for Life down in Miami, and. Haven't been able to get enough of you. I, I, as I was telling you guys before we started, work out. I work out with my son, and, and I, I I love to put folks on that I'm I'm learning from and growing with, and and uh, so he's gotten to know you guys too. So I got to tell him yesterday we were it was a leg day yesterday, so I got to tell him I was going to hang out with you guys. But uh, so honored to have you. I would love to start by just having you share a little bit about who you are, mm-hmm. and then what you're doing right now, and then we'll just dive in. Okay, why don't you start that? Okay, uh, we're Jamie and Donna Winship. We've been married since 1983. We have three grown children who are all married, and we have six grandchildren. Basically, since 1990 um, until 2016, with a few little breaks in between the United States, we lived um, in Southeast Asia and the Middle East. And um, I don't know. What else do you want to know? <laughs> and I know that you guys, you've been stateside for so about five years now. Yeah. Right. And, and uh, a little bit about your ministry. And then I know what you, you guys really have focused on identity, but I know I could start there. Yeah. What are you doing right now? Yeah. So in our work overseas, um, our main sort of focus was conflict zones, conflict areas, typically involving the Muslim world. And it took us a long time. We were, you know, years of trying to figure out what's the what's the most effective way um, to operate inside those conflict zones. And um, and, and there's been a, it's been a fascinating journey as Christ followers in situations where Christianity was the enemy, actually. And it was it, walking into a scenario that that we were typically in, and just by the v- fact that we were western yeah represented every threat there was to the people that we were getting ready to communicate with yeah how do you overcome that how fast can you do it so all those years doing that and then coming back into the united states and realizing pretty quickly that the that the cities that we lived in in the u.s were actually more dangerous and in deeper conflict than most of the places we had lived overseas wow it was troubling to us of course and so uh, our question was what we've learned in other countries and other conflict zones. If it's true, it should be equally as effective in conflict areas in the U.S. So yeah. that's how we started thinking about it. What, what can we do to target the conflict that's really hurting our own country at every level? And so that's how we started. And we, we looked around and we decided um, that that the Pacific Northwest was a good sort of area to test it out. <laughs> yeah. Because, yeah. because um, organized institutionalized religion is very resistant to paradigm shifting. And so we needed a, we needed to start in a city that didn't have a real strong institutionalized religious identity. Yeah. Right. And so that's why we picked there lots of believers there, just not a, not a big organized community. So that's how we started. And we went in and we just picked what we thought were conflict groups and just started working with them. And that's what got us going with 
um, the whole idea of identity exchange as the solution. I, I love that. I know I, a little bit about your history, having spent some time with you over the last few months. First of all, I, I love storytellers. You guys are some of the best storytellers. Uh, the name of this podcast is Rethinking God. Right. And so I know uh, that there was a lot of rethinking that took place yes. during your missionary days. Right. Uh, and and around the goodness of God, ultimately, is, in my opinion, what always uh, rethinking is about. It, it's, yes. He's better than I thought he was. And he's continually better than I thought he was. And I'm fascinated by some of the things that transformed you there that when you came back here, you found, oh my goodness. I mean, I don't want to tell stories for you. I'm like, oh, you could tell the story about some of the mentors that taught you how to interact with the Muslim world. But I know ultimately what was happening was God was radically changing how you thought about him and then therefore how you do ministry, correct? Yeah, that's right. So one of the, just one of the first things, you know, before we even like get into that was one of the first challenges to us was because we're always going to keep coming back to the question of identity and how do I see myself and how did I get that view of myself and where did it come from? But yeah. one and of the, how do I view God? How right. Do I see God? Yes. Yes. One of those identities is the idea of missionary, like that whole thing. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and so yeah. you use that term missionary. That's that's initially how, you know, we thought about things and were raised in things, especially me. Donna's from a Jewish background, so you had a very different view of this. But from my sort of vacation Bible school where we every day, you know, beginning of second grade, you're singing onward Christian soldiers and pledging to the Christian flag. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, it was the yep. American yep. flag. Yeah. Marching out to war. Yeah. Yep. The, the march, the yep. American flag, the Christian flag and put your hand on the Bible and, and um, say a pledge of allegiance to the Bible. Yeah. Like that's very much in my mindset. We're crusaders. Um, we're crusaders in the world. We've always been crusaders. And so we're going to advance into the world against the evil and darkness and that sort of thing. So just just as a preliminary, one of the first things that really struck, and, and this happened um, when I got arrested in, in um, Indonesia when we were working there and for insulting Islam. Yeah. And went through this whole, you know, it's a 10-year prison term for what, with a charge and then going through that whole process of God intervening in that and, and guiding us out of that. But the, 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 the Muslim person that intervened, he said to me after that was all over, he said, uh, I know you're here because you believe that God has sent you here to talk to Muslims about Jesus. He said, I know that's your motivation. Yeah. yeah. He said, but you better find a different way to say it. <laughs> and I, and that was, it wasn't him saying that to me. That was God saying that to wow. me. Like there, the way you're communicating my kingdom is in, it's, you're talking about a Christian kingdom, Christendom. You're not talking about the kingdom of God and people are resisting the Christian empire. Yeah. They aren't even meeting Jesus in the way that you're talking. So for us, we had to go back and go, where did the term missionary come from? Is it a Bible word? It's not. It's not a Bible. It's not in the scriptures. Right. And the Great Commission is also not in the scriptures. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's a they're human inventions. They're human constructs. The Great Commission was was a, invented by a Lutheran guy in the 1700s and immortalized by Hudson Taylor, kind of. Right. And so then it's just adopted as okay, that's in the Bible. Yeah. And it, it you know, so we lose the Great Commandment and pick up the Great Commission. Like that's what happens. That's a poor exchange. That is a bad exchange. And so we're, yes. we're exchanging love for really conflict. So that was one, a big change for us was, okay, 
who actually are we? What are we in God's eyes as we move from, you know, Washington, D.C. to Indonesia or in the other places and beyond? And the word is witness. We are witnesses. Jesus uses it. Isaiah uses it. What is a witness? You are witnesses and witnesses can t- only testify to what they themselves have seen that's and good. experienced. Yeah, that's good. And that was a huge shift because then it went out of from uh, this theological attack and extract with whatever the false religion was to, wait a second, what is our own experience with the God that we're talking about? Our own experience. Can, did, have we heard him? Do we know him? Yeah. Um, and when you get to that level, then it then that's what I want to communicate to my Muslim friend not apologetics and polemics that that shift alone from empire to kingdom wow was huge for for both of us wow and, and it took it took a few years yeah you know we ended up leaving um that island really discouraged after almost five years um you know pouring everything into trying to understand culture and language. And Jamie worked at a university and I did literacy training in villages and everything that we had been trained to do before we left through church, through seminary, whatever, it just didn't work. I mean, it just didn't work. And it was so disillusioning. And then uh, your calling becomes very performative and yeah. if I don't perform correctly or how I'm, you know, the perception is of what I'm supposed to do, not who I am and what I'm supposed to be. Right. Right. I'm yeah. Do then are they going to keep sending the checks? What am I going to write in a letter home? Yeah. yeah. And at, for five years of that, we, we were pretty much at rock bottom. It, it was, you know, we saw some good things. We lived in a tropical island paradise with three mm-hmm. little kids who climbed volcanoes and coconut trees and fed monkeys and snorkeled when they were three. And, you know, there were amazing things, but for the most yeah. part, the whole American missions sure. model, it was, it didn't work and it was very disillusioning and we made us question everything, which was in yeah. the end, God's grace. It was a yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. Because, uh, I mean, you weren't there for the volcanoes. It's amazing how God doesn't waste anything and he can reconcile and restore, you know, all the training, all those years of learning. Of course, he's using that now, I'm sure, in, in exponential ways. But you made the statement and I and I love it that it's about the kingdom. And then and then the discovery is that the kingdom's about a family. Right. The kingdom is relational, that Jesus came to show us not someplace that we're going to get to when we die, but he showed us who the father is and what it looks like to live confident as his kid. Right. And and to me, mm-hmm. what you guys are doing, I wrote a book called Prone to Love, right. and this book is, is, is an identity book, but it's two thirds of it's about the nature of our heavenly father. Yeah. About the fact that Jesus, what Jesus came to show us is not just who the Father is, but what it looks like to be confident as his kid. Right. Title based off of, you know, that beautiful hymn, Come Thou Fount. Yeah. Which ultimately comes to a point where there's this ideology that comes and gets involved, prone to wander. Lord, I feel it as though my feelings are are actually the reality of this thing. And yeah, right. And my grandmother, the reason the book got called that is because at, at, at the age of 70, she lived to be 100, but at the age of 70-something, she was at a, a meeting. Grandma went to every church service there was, you know. And uh, they were singing that song, and her my, my cousin was with her, Jonathan, about my age, and he was a young man at the time. And, and, and she got 
stalled and she stopped singing and serious and got concerned and she leaned over and she said what's wrong he leaned over and said what's wrong grandma and she said i'm not prone to wander jonathan i love him right and when i heard that i was writing in the middle of writing the book i went that's the title that's the reality that i my feelings don't determine it but I am prone to love. I'm actually prone. My identity is that I love because he first loved, but I can't get there until what I believe about the nature of God is transformed. So I would love for you to speak to the false self, you know, the true self that you guys get after, which is ultimately rooted in in the nature of God as a father and his kingdom as a family. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, So just a little few basic things about false self true self the false self i want to say first isn't a bad thing i love that yeah depending on what authors you read um that talk about this from religious christian authors and non you know non-christian as well the shadow self um the imposter self um just for the sake of continuity we'll call it the false self but the false self develops um in early childhood where um, through negative or positive experiences, you start to develop belief systems. And from those belief systems, you develop an identity. And so even if an experience is positive, you do well in school at three years old, you're on a little soccer team and you get a lot of praise, you're a natural athlete you start realizing, hey, that feels good. I like when everybody praises me. And then you lose just the joy of the sport because it becomes a performance because you're looking for the praise. Yeah. And then your identity is attached to it. And so that can be very detrimental as you get older and can play out in all kinds of ways. On the flip side, um, as children, we experience trauma. Everybody's going to experience some kind of trauma to some degree. Yeah. And that becomes the lens by which you you form a belief system. I can't trust adults. I'm never going to let them see me cry. Sure. These kind of things. And it becomes a belief system. You know, I'm going to try harder to get that praise or I'm just going to give up because I get that criticism. And then you take on an identity based on that. For instance, I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm a failure. I'm a loser. Um, I'm unlovable, these types sure. of identities. Yeah. Of course, yeah. it's very subtle. The mind is extremely complex and it's very subtle. And then from that, you know, we start comparing ourselves. Who, do, What little child goes to preschool right. and is noticing, you know, the clothes or the books or the backpack and, sure, sure. you know, and it just gets yeah. worse as we get older. We start comparing um ourselves to other people, then we start competing. Well, I want the teacher to compliment me. So I have to have the cutest clothes or I want the coat. Right. And we start competing. And this is all um, indicative of living in a false self. From that comparison and competing, it leads into self-protection and self-promotion. Yeah. And, you know, just like, I mean, it's just obvious. I don't need to even explain. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And so the false self you know, just develops over years, it snowballs. And most people aren't even aware that they're living separate from who they really are. Maybe in the as adults in the middle of the night, when we think I, I just wish this stupid feeling would go away. I wish what happened when I was young and carefree and didn't care what people thought. Of me. Right? Yeah, sure. 
how can I get that back? And we don't, I don't know, somehow it's very ethereal and we don't associate it with our life with God because, you know, we compartmentalized right. that. Sure. Right. Yeah. Then on the flip side, the true self is who you really are at the core, at the essence, who God created you to be in your mother's womb. Wow. It doesn't come from your job. Most people, a great experiment to do an identity is when you meet people instead of, you know, typically the first question we ask, what do you do? Right? <laughs> yeah. What do, you do? what do you do? Sure. Yeah. So like if I were to meet you, Jason, oh, nice to meet you, Jason. Yeah. Who are you? Who is Jason? Tell me how you got to be you. <laughs> right. Like yeah. what a great question to get rid of the right. surface chit chat, right? That's a great question. Um but your, your true identity is the essence of who you are at your core. And it's something to be discovered through your lifetime and worked out in relationship. You cannot set apart your identity from relationship with God and relationship with other people. It can only yeah. develop in relationship. And we just see this all through the scriptures with Moses, with Gideon, with Peter. And I think it's important to note that your identity is not your gender. Yeah, that's good. It's not your sexual preference. Yeah, that's good. It's not your job. It's not your right. political party. It's not your it's not your religion. That's right. Your identity whether you're living in a true identity or a false identity informs those choices and those decisions and those associations. Sure. So if you're in a false identity, you're comparing, you're competing, you're self-protecting, you're self-promoting. In a true identity, yeah. you're at peace. You don't have to convince anybody of your side. Your identity and overflows out of you wow. into every area of life almost effortlessly. Would you say that a false identity is, is living in the context of lack, in the context of measurements? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and it's interesting because one of the... What, what on our journey in this whole thing it was it was so much based in the loss of meaning of words or the wrong meaning of words and so you take a word like to measure and that that word to measure yeah is in antiquity it was to help you determine what was less valuable in life and the, the idea right. was the immeasurable yeah. is the most valuable and what's measurable is not really that important and you just watch that the etymology of that word go to the immeasurable is unimportant and what's measurable is the only important yeah. thing yeah. it's very hard to break this because we're taught it every single day right yeah and it's hard to get so so if i'm you know if we're talking to companies or something about identity their question is how does this increase our profit margin yeah it's always measurables yeah right and so and so anything we do turns turns into measurables and then we're back into the scarcity system yeah lack yeah which is always not enough yeah i taught a business ethics class a couple of weeks ago at the university here and i was asked i was just explaining to them that all of them, what you can you can study business ethics all day long, but if you're in a scarcity model, it's always going to come up to not enough. Isn't that amazing? That's incredible. I was asking them, how many of you think that there's not enough time in your day? They all raised their hand. How many yeah. think that there's not enough jobs in the world? Raise your hand. And then I said, so that means that means how many of you think that you're not enough? And wow. they were just silent. Wow, that is beautiful, man. Wow, you got to the you cut to the quick there. I love and that. So what's fascinating is then. 
when the when the brave one raised their hand, you know, and said, yeah, that, I mean, that's right. We you're in a world that says every day there's not enough. This is the lie that we live in. And I and so once I said that to him, I said, then then is there an alternative worldview to that? Because if they're not, we're in we're in big trouble. Wow. But there is an alternative worldview. And that's what we need to study in business ethics is the alternative worldview, not how to live in the false one and how to navigate the false one. But how do we live in the true one? Immediately, they asked for more time and they formed groups. <laughs> Around figuring out that what that means. Yeah. This is how movement starts. Is in this way. And your love is hey guys, I'm interrupting this podcast for just a minute so I can invite you to partner with us by giving to a family story. A family story is a 501, a nonprofit, and it's our ministry. And it's what allows for me to produce this podcast and other regular content. We've been living this faith journey for a long time, but 2014 was when we officially stepped away from the traditional pastoring approach to full-time ministry. It's been fun. This journey has been wild. And this last year was no less faith-inducing with COVID affecting travel and speaking. And it's been good because, hey, we started a podcast. Our passion is to create content catalytic for an encounter with the always good, transforming, reconciling love of our Heavenly Father. And so our heart through this ministry has always been that through speaking, writing, film, and music, we're relentlessly sharing the goodness of our Father, the good news. Your giving goes directly to support this podcast, as well as written content, discipleship content, teaching small group messages, articles that we release weekly, and also the book I'm writing. I'm excited about what I'm chasing down right now. We appreciate all the support, whether it's sharing, writing a review, following us, signing up for our email list, or financially. We just love being on the journey with you. If you want to give to A Family Story, you can go to afamilystory.org, afamilystory.org, and click on the Give button. All right, thanks, guys. Let's get back to the podcast. I do think you guys are so well placed in this season because I think we are in a crisis of identity. Mm. I was um, talking about how Jesus came down the Mount of Transfiguration and he comes down the mountain. And, and if you remember the story, he's asked uh, to uh, perform a miracle on a young fellow that's being thrown into the fire. And, and uh, his boys, his disciples had tried and failed. And so the, the father brings it to, to Jesus' attention. Jesus casts the, the demon out or he, he heals the young fella. And then if you remember uh, the disciples later, they ask him, um, why, why couldn't we do it? And, and, and I was raised thinking, and we live, I was telling a fellow today at my house, we had coffee. And I said, you know, I live in the context of measurements. I'm wearing a watch. I said, but I live from, from the paradigm of a measureless love. And I said, when Jesus came down the mountain, he, he, uh, he said, you have so little faith. So he used the language of measurements, but then he went on to make it very clear. He wasn't talking about measurements because he said, you just need the faith of a mustard seed. Right. And what he was saying is it's not about a measurement. It's about my intimacy, my union, my connection, my oneness right. with father, uh, because right. it's impossible in that context. But you could say to a mountain, move from here to there. Nothing's impossible for you. That's what he, that's the right. finish of that story. But if you can learn how to live from that place that you're talking about, that place of faith that isn't about 
how big the mustard seed is because I've spent most of my early years, Bible college, and then through my 20s and 30s measuring the mustard seed. Right. Spending my time working on how to get a bigger, trying to get half the size of Jesus's mustard seed. You know what I'm talking about? Right. And I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm playing in the wrong sandbox. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm constantly living from lack and constantly living out of insecurity, constantly uh constantly wondering who i am trying to prove myself trying to earn mm -hmm. how do you help people navigate uh into this place of measureless uh, thinking or if, if that's a way of saying it yeah well, I, I love it well you know you can't intellectually have faith which is what you're describing yes right faith comes from experience yeah. an experience an experiential relationship and in terms of that measuring or not measuring i think I think it's summed up really well in Isaiah 43.1, where the prophet is saying, see, I have created you, O Jacob. I have formed you, O Israel. Name change. Do not fear. Number one exhortation in scripture. Yeah. Do not fear. I have redeemed you and called you by name. And here's the key part. So you, I have called you by your name. Wow. So you will know that you are mine. I have called you by wow. your name. And so understanding identity is not understanding just we're corporately, we're children of God, we're holy, we're chosen. We can all rattle off all those names. Sure. But in that passage, he says, I have called you by your name. Wow. Yeah. Right. And the whole point is connection and relationship. Love and that. when all identities that we discover about ourselves are identities of Jesus. They are identities of Jesus in one form or, or, or another. And this is what gives us the experience as we sit and we listen and we ask God who we are and we question, what do you want me to know about who you are? Yeah. But it takes time and intention. Yeah. And yeah. that is really, you know, the antidote as Jamie's talking about to this scarcity model where we never feel like we're enough. We feel like we're not enough because we don't think God's enough. Yeah. We don't think God's going to come through because our faith is intellectual as opposed to experiential. experiential. Yeah. 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 I like it too. When you were saying, uh, as we're thinking about this, these processes, when, as you're saying, you know, when we listen to something, when, when me and my son are working out together and it's, it's like, helping people understand that most of the reality that we live in isn't even, it's not even true. Like if you look out the window at nature, most of what we're living in doesn't fit anywhere outside of our own little con construct. Right. And so, so when Jesus says, um, you know, talking about the church and the gates of hell will not prevail against this. It's like saying to a person, Hey, let's meet at the weight room. And let's exercise. What's going to work? Work being at the weight room and exercising always works. Right. It never doesn't work. Right. The only way that it won't work is if you don't go. Right. Right. So, so if you're if you're exercising a relationship with God and with one another, the gates of hell can't prevail against it because it's the way the whole of reality works. Right. So. So you can't say I've been in the weight room for a year and nothing's happened or I've gone backwards. Like that's so it, good. That's impossible. Yeah. So when you so when we tell people, I mean, I, I've been doing this every day this week with people. It's like right. if we sit and exercise our capacity to hear God. Yeah. 
if we exercise that, it, 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 it starts pretty basic and raw. And like, was that me? Was that God? But you start to train in it and you start to exercise that muscle of, of the human's ability to hear the one that created it. You can't stop it. You get stronger. Yeah. That's the rule that God made. Yeah. And so the only way out of that is non-participation, separation, sin. Yeah. 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 And 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 it's and it's on our end as far as exactly. He, there's no distance or separation on his end. Never. He's he never leaves or forsakes us. It's the uh, I think you can speak to this. Um, the thing that I run at, the thing that it burns in me, I, I, I say I only have one message. I've written a handful of books. They're all about the same thing. Yeah. And the end result is I am after intimacy. I am after oneness. I'm after people uh, knowing that they are his beloved. Uh, I'm convinced that, that the disconnect is the fact that we do not know how to experience. You know, we love because he first loved. Right, absolutely. So, so my responsibility is to get up in the morning and become convinced in who he is and his great affection for me. Right. And then from there, I can be convinced in who I am and my great affection for all those around me. I can live out of the abundance of, of who he is and his, his measureless love for me. But, but uh, I think the great crisis that we're facing right now uh, is, and this is, this is, again, I push it as I'm writing all the time, the great crisis we're facing is, is so many people don't know how to get into his lap. So many right. people don't know how to, hear him how to actually receive from him and the reason i told that prone to wander story is because a lot of that came from the church that's right a lot of that came from this sin focus sin conscious oh, yeah. one of the most profound things that i ever heard in my life and i gave my life life to jesus when i was five but but about 13 years ago a fellow said to me you're so worth the blood of jesus and it offended me i i didn't know what to do with it for a second because it made sense here but it didn't feel true here. And I had to wrestle with it for, and, and it was to me, probably the most transformational moment in my life. 13, 14 years ago was when I, I had a conversation with God where, where my father basically said, uh, you can either believe what I say about you and how I feel about you, right. or you can keep, keep leaning into what you think about how I feel yeah. about you. And basically I had to repent. I had to repent and say, Oh my goodness, I am so worth the blood of Jesus. Yes. He doesn't die for junk. And that was the most transformational thing that made it safe for me to actually talk to him and then to hear him. Could you, could you maybe expand on that a little? I, I know you guys can go for, for miles on that one. Yeah. I want to comment on something you just said. That's pretty interesting. You said that it's our responsibility to get up in the morning because he first loved us. Like to get up in the morning and spend that time with him. It's interesting because that word is not in scripture, that word responsibility. And it right. was developed at, during the Industrial Revolution when they started assembly lines. Right. Yeah. The root of it is a French word that means respond. I love that. Respond in, in Hebrew means means that word comes from obedience and and the word obedience in hebrew means to listen and respond wow it doesn't mean you have a responsibility because yeah 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 back on you to perform yeah yeah i love well and that's what i'm doing in the morning i love that because that's that's right. the right. Only- no, i know i know that's what you how subtle language wow. is and how people that are new to this yeah. what they yeah, what they hear think and how it just us stuck in that scarcity wow. our job is to listen and respond that's it listen and respond 
And I always say the prayer that changed my life when we started this journey of when everything just blew up for us and we were like, there has to be a different way, (laughs) was just praying this simple prayer that I'd never prayed in 20 years of being a believer. God, what do you want me to know? Oh, that's so good. Get up in the morning before you get out of bed. God, what do you want me to know about this day? God, what do you want me to know about your love? God, what do you want me to know about living your true identity? who you've called me to be and just journal your thoughts. Like that transformed the quiet time. Yeah, if yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And make away the responsibility and then I love there's that. a fire and a longing because you're connected. It's about the intimacy, wow. which is so key. And then how do you, and then how quickly once we came into that understanding of, I love what you keep saying. We only love him because he first loved us. Yeah. And and we and we know that he loved us because he demonstrated yes. his love to us in that while we were his enemies, he died for us. <laughs> yes. right? So that whole beautiful cruciform, other focused, self-emptying, unconditional love. That's our that's our that's our model. Yes. That's the model for humanity. Other focused, self-emptying, unconditional love for your enemy. Wow. Right? It's not yeah. just for your people, but Christ died for us while we were his enemies. This is the bar. This is the standard. And you can't talk yourself into that. No, you know, you can't like talk yourself into being the kind of person that's going to self empty and be other focused and die for your enemies. So (laughs) that comes through confession, repentance, transformation, right? Truth, tell mind change, form change. That's our process. Okay. Not going to tell the truth. Nothing's going to happen. You, it, everything has to begin with truth telling because only truth telling allows for mind change, repentance, truth tell to agree with my metanoia to change the way we think or the way and turn and go the new way and metamorphe to change then the form of what you're doing. So oh, we're just trying to change the form of stuff all the time. No yeah. mind change and no yeah. truth telling involved. Yeah. It cannot work. Yeah. You can't get right? there. You can't get there from there. That's, you can't. That, right? We have a um, yeah. Back to your question, it's all about receiving. Yep. It's all about receiving. As you tell God your yes. truth, God, I don't believe you're with me. God, I'm afraid you're gonna let something bad happen. God, I'm afraid you're not gonna protect my kids. As you tell God your truth, then he replaces it with his truth. And that's the truth that sets you free. And and that's what you I I've watched you guys do that. Uh, uh, teach teaching actually walk a group a group of people through that a room through that where some of you take your greatest fears your your the lies about what you believe about yourself could you just maybe break that down a little bit because I think that's that is so helpful yeah uh, I, the folks that are listening to this podcast by the way they they're a little bit out there they're they've already they've already oh, there are they're whispering in the hallways of the church, you know, that's yeah. they're, they're in the hallways whispering. I think he's better than we think he is, <laughs> but they have to whisper it, you know? So could you walk us through that? They're not afraid. Yeah. So it's this, it's this kind of circle process that Jesus is really doing with everyone he talks to. He's inviting them into confession. He's inviting them into truth telling. And, and so, I mean, you can just pick any conversation he's having with with really anyone, he's inviting them to tell the truth about what they really believe about God themselves and others. All just tell the truth. Yeah. Yeah. Confess. And so 
uh, once they confess, this is casting their care. This is getting rid of the burden. And so that's our process is, is to say with people, you know, it doesn't matter whether they're from a Christian background or they're atheists or whatever. It's just the language that you use. But we're, our, our thing is in the, in the sense of prayer, it's just like, okay, we just, just take a moment just to be quiet and let yourself be in a place where you feel safe. Just let yourself, because when you do that, you move from the reptilian brain into the prefrontal cortex, which all humans can do. That's why Jesus is talking in symbol and metaphor all the time. He's forcing us forward into our imagination. He is kept in perfect peace whose mind and imagination is fixed on God because he trusts in God. So you're out of the reptilian fear, fight, flight brain, and instantaneously you've moved forward in your brain. We do this with students all the time. So just be in a safe place and and you, the human can shift away from fear-based everything self-protect into okay I'm in, I'm in my I'm at study. the beach I'm I'm, at I, I'm in this place the cabin by yeah, yeah. fire on yeah. and you're immediately in the part of your brain that dreams and has visions and it creates new ideas A safe place is a place where you're think what what are, what are you looking for in a safe place we just ask the person, where's where's a place that you just long to be? Here's the key word, to be. Yes. To exist. Yeah. I like to say favorite place. Yeah. I like to say, like, what's your favorite place, even if it's imaginary? Yeah, yeah. Maybe you've never been to a tropical beach, but if I could just be on a tropical beach and in the sun and the water. And- uh, a couple of years ago, we uh, we did a, a film thing in Israel, we, in Jerusalem, and So whenever I do this, I think I'm doing it right. You tell me when we'd finished wrap, we'd wrap the whole thing. We'd shot the whole thing and we had about $1,500 left. And there was five of us, my wife, my brother, myself, and two crew members. I'm another brother and another crew member. And, and we went and we spent it all at a restaurant and we just sat there from noon. We watched the the sun go down on the city and we sat there from noon till about eight o'clock at night. And we, And so when I, sometimes I do that, that's my, my favorite place. Does that work? There you go. Yeah, sure. It's It's interesting where people is their favorite place. It's where they, again, it's the key is, is, is the word to be where we're, we're asking the person an identity question, actually, where would you be? Where would you exist right now? If you could exist anywhere and the true identity will go to that place. Uh, it's where it's where it is. Yeah. And so it's fascinating when you're, you know, when you're doing research on martyrs and, you know, how do people go through torture? That's what they're doing. They're not in the place where the bad thing is happening. Wow. They're going wow. to another place. Wow. And even special forces tries to train people how to do that. Okay. It's how you overcome torture and things like that. And I was just going to say real quick, Jamie teaches on this masterfully, but even Jesus gives, uh, the Bible gives us permission to do that. David saw God as a shepherd and he was by streams of living water. Like that was his favorite place. Was it Isaiah is on the shores of the river. Yeah, that's good. God is high and lifted up. God is high and lifted up. Yeah. So like it's really in scripture as well. So the, what you're doing is, so you're giving a person your, your, you know, from the science part of they're coming forward into their imagination to the place where they can really experience God actually, and into the immeasurable. And you, and then you get them to describe this place. Like, and and there's all kinds of questions to ask about that, which we don't have time to get into, but, but you're in that place. Okay. And then we'll ask them, okay, now in that place, love is with you. 
Love is with you. Now, so if I'm with people that know Bible language and they have it, I might say God or Jesus. But it's really fascinating. Even with people who know the Bible, you want to let God come to the person the way God wants to come to the person. Right? Oh, man, I love that. Yeah. Because if you say, okay, Jesus is with you, you don't know what that means. Sure. That might shift right back into fear. Yeah. Right. Yep. If God is with you. They might go right back into, yeah. well, well, we don't want that. <laughs> no. And a lot right. of people self-protect with God. Yeah, they do. That's they right. Self-protect and they self-promote in, in conversation with trying God. Trying to prove themselves. Trying to prove themselves. Sure. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. With God. Yeah. So they're not letting him talk. They're not letting him speak. They're, they're, they're saying. Protecting themselves. Right. From God. Yeah. So you can't yeah. receive from God. And so be in the place. Okay. And love is. Love is there with you. Love wants to be with you. That's what love does. Yeah. It's there with you. It's not it's not you. It's other than you. What does love look like with you in that place? And I mean it is beautiful what people say. How is love being represented to you in your favorite mm-hmm. place? Unconditional love. And Unconditional. Yeah, and kids in trauma, they know, they have a sense of what that is. Yeah. Um yeah. And so, the, okay, so love is there with you and love is other than you. That's important that it's not you, it's other than you. And then they'll describe it so beautiful. Um, and sometimes they'll wrestle with that. Sometimes they'll say, I don't, I don't know what love looks like. And then we'll ask them, what do you imagine love to look like? If you could oh, I love that. imagine love, what would you want it to be like? So no matter what you wish it was like, God is greater than even that, right? That's good. Yeah, amen. So it, allow, it just gives them permission. And so in that place, when you're with love, then love wants to take your burdens. Love wants to carry your burdens. So what burden are you dealing with right now that you would want to give to love? And this is the most emotional part to people because they have to truth tell what burden are you dealing with right now that just comes to your mind, just pops in your mind yeah. that you would give to love if you could give it away? Yeah. And then it's like, it's always stuff that like produces fear and anxiety in them, right? right. So whatever they say it is. Okay. And then we ask them, where on your, where do you feel it in your body? And they, and they'll, they'll put their hand on parts of their body where wow. their body feels the truth of the weight. Where are you wow. carrying? Your body knows that you're carrying a burden, right? Wow. You can't yeah. just say, I have a burden up in my mind. Your, your body is in it. The burden is costing your body a price. Sure. And so we'll ask them, where do you feel it? And people touch their mouths, their mind, Stomach. all kinds of places, their legs. Wow. And then, okay. And what's it costing you to carry that? What's it costing you? And then they'll say, peace, sleep. Yeah. Relationship. Yeah. This is all confession. Yeah. All we're doing yeah. is leading them into truth telling. And and then okay. And so they walk through that process and then they say, Okay, now we say, imagine you're gonna give it to love. Love's gonna take it, you're gonna give it to love. What does it look like? And let them picture in their mind it coming off of them. But it's they change their posture when this is happening. Cause it's their body is believing that this is being taken from them. This is a place for healing, physical healing, all that. And so, and we make them describe it. What's it look like? And people say, it's like, I'm lifting arm. There's armor lifting off of me. There's this black stuff coming out of me, smoke, whatever they, however they say it. 
Give it to love. And then what does love do with it when you give it to? What does love do with it? And that's, he does, he never gives it back. <laughs> it disappears. Yeah. Love takes it into it himself. You know how it vanishes. Wow. It turns into birds. Wow. It's incinerated, whatever. Wow. It's gone. And we keep saying to the person, let it go. Don't take it back. Let it go. Let it go. This is the release of yeah, confession. Yeah. It's receiving the release. And Jesus is sweeping the house clean. It's the gospel. This is it. It is. It's the gospel. Uh, uh, Casting came to make you well. Casting all our tears on him. And then once that's away, then the repentance part then is now whenever love takes something from you or he wants to replace it. That's he good. wants to exchange it with something else. Ask love, ask God, ask Jesus, what does he, God want to give you in place of the burden? And that's when they hear God. That's he, peace, joy, forgiveness, relationship, yeah. all these words that, that, and then we, okay, say, say out loud that you receive it. Say out loud, I receive your love. I receive your peace. I receive it. Yeah. Right. And then transformation is, what do you want me to do with this joy? Right. So what do you want me to know? So confession, repentance, and then wow. transformation. And that's the process. I just did it with 21 middle schoolers yesterday. <laughs> All at the same time. It's incredible watching them sixth, sixth through eighth graders watch. And I just go one by one through the, all of them in the room, yeah. one by one. Yeah. It's incredible what they say. There's a story that you uh, went to a conference. I was listening to it. And uh, there was a young Muslim fellow that came up. He was partway into this process. I know you took a left turn uh, from the pulpit, which I love. Began to preach to him from the Quran, going after the one. Yeah. And uh, and then he has experience. Right. What was most right. fun for me about this is is that love doesn't have to be called Jesus. Jesus's ego isn't so big that he needs you to call him by his name before he's going to interact with right. you. He'll re he's he's the master communicator. He'll right. reveal himself when, right. when, when you're ready. Right. But I love that you can do that in a room with with kindergartner. Uh, and, and and I don't know if it was a Christian yeah. school or not, but it, the, the fact that I told my kids if they when they were very young, I said, because my passion is how do you hear God? I said, God is love. So whenever and I know, you know what love is, you can recognize love. Right. So when love goes off inside of you for your sister or your brother or right. your mom, God is speaking to you. Pay attention. That's Listen right. to those that's words. 100%. That is how you hear him. That's how you recognize. And that's how you become fluent and and and, and how that's he talks. It. But but and and he, he's the best communicator. He's going to speak to you in your own language. Exactly. That's what it, that's what people have to learn is stop talking and let love. I love that. And trust your mind. You have the mind of Christ. I love that. Of the Lord. But you have. So when you have a good idea, when you like you're saying the example of feeling that love, when you have, you know, a created a creative eureka moment. <laughs> this is your mind collaborating with the mind of Christ. This yeah. is God speaking. All of this is founded, and and this was the the thing for me. All of this is built upon the the faith that God is good, right? Absolutely, that He is a hundred percent good, right? That He only has goodness and love for us, right? That and there, 
you know, you can only trust. So you can only have intimacy to the extent you can trust and you only can trust the extent you're convinced he's good. Exactly. And so all of the things that you guys are talking about are predicated on this. To me, faith is you're better than my capacity to understand, because then when the thought comes to your mind, you're not wrestling with right. uh, my sinful thinking. You get to go, oh, God is speaking. Is that that's what because you said, I, I love this. I, I think you use Paul Young, but you talk about wholeness, Donna. Wholeness uh, is the way of our being matching the truth of our being. Right. I think that's Paul Young. Yeah. But you speak to that. That's what we're talking about, correct? Right. Yes, because in your true identity, that's the truth of your being. So, you know, if you're mired down in coping mechanisms, you know, substance abuse, um, eating disorders, even binge watching, you know, overdoing yeah. it with those, if you're mired down, that's not the way of your being. It's not matching the truth of your being. And I do want to give a shout out to Brad Jersak and Paul Young, who really helped us develop this. We learned a lot of this from them. And they love those guys. We've had both of them on They're They're incredible. I love how in that burdens exercise, Paul says, we first did it with Brad, but Paul says, I love the way he phrases it, which really makes sense to a lot of people. What is burdensome to you? Because sometimes when we say, what burdens are you carrying? I'm not carrying any burdens. What's burdensome to you? And if it's burdensome to you, you're not meant to carry it. That's so good. That's so good. I'll say yes to the, even that you were addressing that in that word responsibility. Yeah. It's burdensome. Because uh, that's burdensome. Um, especially in the context of Western thinking and the way that we would, we would approach it most days and as, as fellows who feel the weight of yeah, responsibility is related to obedience and obedience implies punishment. If you disobey. Yes. Yeah. And we don't have a punitive God. We don't have a punitive God. False. That's exactly it. Yeah. That's good. So the word obedience, I know I said it before, but in the Hebrew, it is translated, the real translation is to listen and respond. <laughs> so it has nothing to do with the responsibility and obedience. Just listen and respond. Yeah. Yes, I receive it, God. Yes. Wow. I receive that you call me reformer. Yes. Referring to your hat that we talked Referring about. Referring to my hat. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I receive that you call me whatever it yes. is that he's. I, I was with a gal this morning who I was, it was a follow-up meeting from, she comes from a background of terrible abuse coming from her family. Terrible, terrible. She's an adult now married with children and worked through this process. Once she began to trust God through exercises like favorite place, then she was able to hear him. Once she was able to hear him, she began to trust him. Once she began to trust him, she was able to forgive. Wow. That's when she came into the true freedom. Yeah, freedom right there. Yeah. We rush and tell people, oh, you have to repent. You have to forgive those who hurt you when there's no trust because they're in a false identity and their view of God needs to be transformed. Yeah, I'll ask this. I know we're, we're starting to come up against the clock, but but um, I, I found myself in this strange, strangest of place. I mean, I grew up in the church um, um, without getting in, in depth. Uh, um, in many ways, they, some of them just said they prefer if I, I stayed at a distance. <laughs> but meanwhile, I'm, I find myself uh, all of a sudden spending beautiful hours with folks that would use the language of deconstruction. That's the language today. Right. It's not a word that grabbed me personally, but it's a, a word that has grabbed a whole lot of people. 
and and I and I see it happening well, and I see it happening poorly, and I think it's all attached to identity. I think I think um, it's all attached to uh, what you believe about who he is, whether you've had an encounter with love, and how safe you feel to keep going. But I also believe, and the charismatics refer to it as the billion soul harvest that's coming. But uh, I believe the billion soul harvest is is actually in this deconstruction movement. Yeah, I think uh, so. And I would love if you could speak right now to that word in the context of what you guys are chasing down uh, regarding identity. The word deconstruction, that word? Yeah, if, if you're comfortable with it. Yeah. I kind of like re-mythologizing better than deconstructing because we're deconstructing implies destroying something. Yeah. We just yeah. need, I, I heard you say it on a podcast, like, well, it's your book, leaving that old behind and embracing yeah you know the yeah. Truth yeah. Of and like and also like you said god doesn't waste time you know even when we grow up in wrong teaching and everything it's god's able to redeem all of it so yeah it's beautiful i the way i think about it is like this i always think about all of these things in terms of real interaction with people love that um and so instead of you know i'm sitting over here you know deconstructing or whatever my theology it's, it's like when I'm in relationship with people, these things happen that make me go, oh, so I, I was asked to speak to a, a, a girl that was 18. And when she was 15, she had gone to a concert in some major city and at the con- she went to the restroom and she was attacked by three guys and they videotaped the assault on her. And then uh, and they told her, if you ever say anything, anybody will post this. You know, and so from 15 to 18, she never told anyone and they would make her come back and meet with them once a month. So from 15 to 18, 18, she's in this absolute hell Um, Too too afraid to say anything about it. She's it's so too much shame on her and all that. So the FBI, unrelated to her, break this ring and they find this video of her. They track her down and they say, hey, look, we got these guys, you know, and that's when her mom first finds out about this. So she's talking to her daughter. The, the daughter grew up in the church. The mom's a believer. There's no father um, in the picture. And the and the and the daughter says to the mom, I will I, I, I will never um, have faith in God ever again. Yeah based on this. And so the mom, we were, happened to be in that city and the mom calls me and she said, Hey, would you meet with my daughter? And I said, I will meet with her if she wants to meet. Sure, sure. And I'll only meet with her if you're there. Yeah. Right. Just, yeah. so I go to meet with her and I'm talking with her and she's, and she's, it's how well she's doing. It's really remarkable. I think, you know, and I tell her, I was like, wow, you know, you've been through a lot. It's remarkable that you're sitting here yeah. having this conversation. Yeah. And, and she said, I, I, I just, I, I just don't, I, I can never have faith again and in God. Yeah. And I, so I thought about that. I was like, how do we, like, she, I know what she means, but she doesn't know what she means. No. And so I said, let me ask you a question. God's only described in three ways in scripture as what God is. God is love, right? God is spirit and God is consuming fire. Those are the only is is. So let's say God is love. Do you, do you, are you, are you out of love? You don't love, do you love anything? And she said, oh no, I do love. Yeah. And I do, I do love. And I said, okay, so, so, so God is love. That's what God is. Do you hope for anything? Are you, have you given up hope and everything? She says, no, I do hope for things. And I said, faith is the things you hope for. Yeah. (laughs) That's what faith is, right? So if you have hope and love, 
you're talking about what the scriptures are talking about in relation to yeah, God. Yeah, yeah. Right? The one you don't like anymore, the one you don't have faith in, that's all that's never been there anyway. Yeah. But do you have hope in love? And she said, I do. And I said, So here's the great commandment. Love, love with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. So good. Yeah. How do you do that? By participating in love in everything you do. Yeah. You love. I'm committed to love in everything I do. Are you committed to loving what love did when love made you? <laughs> and and she said, yeah. And I said, then you're then you're doing what love has asked you to do. Yeah, that's love, so good. Yeah. Love and everything. And then do you other people and, and do you, is there any other person that you love? And she said, well, I love my mom. And I said, then you're participating in love. You haven't <laughs> left love and love is God. Yeah. And, and so it started to open up and remind and I said, okay, so tell me what you want to do with your future. And she goes, I want to be, I want to be a prosecutor against sexual crimes. I want sure. to go to law school. And I said, okay, beautiful. I said, let me tell you the two ways that'll happen. One is, and I've worked with both of these kinds of people. One is a prosecutor that's bitter prosecutor that's bitter when that prosecutor comes in the courtroom everyone in the courtroom starts to react against them right because their anger is working the case and running the sure. not yeah, yeah. I said, and, and they have a very not but justice. but then there's that's people it. that come in and love is their motivation for being in their vocation yeah and people want to work with them they want to collaborate with yeah. them because love is what people gravitate towards <laughs> so you can go to law school and I, you're, I'm sure you'll be amazing at this, but you need to love, love, and you need to hope in love. And this is what will allow you to be who you're really supposed to, who you really are on the inside. And you are not defined or identified by the people that did this to you. So Someone good. else's sin does not give you identity. Yeah, that's so good. So that's how I think about it. So we talk about, do I love God with all of my heart? I don't know how to love God with yeah. all of my heart. I don't yeah. even know what that means. Yeah. Do I know how to love love? I do. Yeah. Do I know how to be committed to love in every conversation? I actually do. Yeah. That's what would it. love say to this person? How would, when love looks in the mirror, what does love say about me? <laughs> oh, it's so and good. There it is, right? yeah. And there it is. And so yeah. God is that. And the gospel is that simple. The good news is that simple. And how do we know God loves us? Because he demonstrated his love. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then we get to talk about Jesus, of course. But... That's right. And Jesus is, is God in the flesh. There's God. Yeah. I'm writing, and I'll, I'll, I'm going to ask you about tacos in a second, but I'm writing about uh, right now the Emmaus Road. And I love this story because it is Jesus showing up with those that are his closest friends, knowing that their head knowledge and their ideology and their theology and their all their ologies are going to get in the way right. of recognizing the burning, right. that place where love dwells. That's right. And so he shows up as a stranger mm. because he doesn't want them to uh, their heads to get in the way of recognizing this thing yeah and then uh, and then of course when they do get it he breaks the bread he disappears so they don't mess it up you know <laughs> so that they go oh it's this and yeah. they run back and and, and and they share about this that's you know? great they got all this but this is what matters right. and, and uh i love it because it's it's so much like the jesus i know he doesn't have to be called jesus right. to reveal himself to you exactly he'll heal you even if you don't know who he is even if even if you're Muslim, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Even if you're an atheist, even if you're agnostic, even if you're a Christian, right? He, he's he's brilliant. He's the best communicator. Right. I love how you uh, how passionate you are about communicating, too, guys. And I'm so 
I so um, I, w I could spend hours with you. Um, what a beautiful perspective and vision on the nature of God. And, and uh, I think I've barely scratched the surface, Donna, with some of your insights as well. Yeah. It's great. It's just great to talk about God like this, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, we're rethinking God with tacos because I, I'm not an academic. I didn't want, I just, we just want to eat tacos. And I also believe that every culture has a taco. They just call it something different. I do too. <laughs> so you don't you have to call it a blintz. Call it, what is it? A blintz. What's a blintz? Um, a Jewish taco. A Jewish taco. <laughs> Come on, we haven't had any Jewish tacos yet. Let's talk about it. Yeah. It's like a burrito. I think it's nothing like a burrito. You eat it for breakfast. And it's, uh, think of a tortilla that's very thin and made mostly with egg and a little flour, more like a crepe, yeah. oh. which, would be, which would be the French taco. Oh. And you fill it with sweetened um, ricotta cheese or cream cheese and wrap it up like a burrito. And then oh, instead of salsa, you put jam on it. So you, there are there is cheese on it, though? Yeah. Okay, so this is like... Sweetened cheese. Sweetened, no meat. Oh, no meat. So, but you could, because when I was in Jerusalem, I thought I could make a lot of money if I just put cheese in my pocket. Yeah, you could. And and then when the burgers came out, I could sell it to the table. No, 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 no. Kosher loss. You'll get kicked out. Yeah, no, I, 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 I would never do it. It's just how my my brain's always thinking. How could I get cheese involved in this meal? That's constantly what's. No, we made that mistake a lot. Yeah. Do you have time to tell you our favorite topic? Yeah, of course. Okay, so we moved to East Tennessee, and we discovered a place in Johnson City called um, White Duck Taco. I think it's originally out of Asheville, uh -huh. North Carolina. I've had them. Oh, you've had them. Okay, so uh -huh, the yeah. concept of taking international food and putting it in a taco. Yeah. So, like, you can take Korean bulgogi beef, and they put in a taco and put kimchi on top of it. And oh come on, yeah. So good. That's my favorite. And, that, that's mine. Yeah, they have all <laughs> kinds of international food in a taco like that. And that is a really good place, White Duck. Yeah. Yes, yes. I think that's actually been not noted before. Yeah. Anyone listening? Because Asheville, I think we have one in Charlotte now too, and then you guys have one in Johnson City. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Beautiful. And you guys are in the mountains then. You're right on yeah, the edge. We are of, on the foothills. We're in the very the beautiful Smokies. mountains. Yeah. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. Hey, tell us how we can connect with your ministry, where we can find you. Yes. Yeah, so um, we have an organization. It's actually an LLC, not a ministry. Um, and we do um, training and consulting. It's called Identity Exchange. You can find it at identityexchange.com. And there's a lot of resources there. We have a new course out called Becoming What You Believe. And it's a deep dive. We have some other resources, but this is a deep dive, like more like a college course um, that you go through. And I noticed in one of your previous po podcasts, you were talking about um, become what you behold. Yes. And it's a similar, I think it was you or, yeah. or your partner, but it's a similar concept. Yeah. You, you know, if you're fearful, you become a fearful person, you know? Okay. So it's becoming what you believe. If you believe in the goodness of God and your true and unique identity in him, you will become that. Wow. Um, wow. And so it's a deep dive into that. And then also I want to mention, Jamie's written a book called Living Fearless, and it's not going to be out until June, but the publisher put it on Amazon recently. We didn't even know. So it's for pre-sale on Amazon. Living Fearless. 
Living Fearless by Jamie Winship. I love yep. it. Is this your first book? Yeah. Mm-hmm. First published awesome. book. Yeah. First by a publisher, not yeah. a self yeah. yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, uh, I'll be sure to note these things on the front end too, because uh, I think that what you guys are doing is incredible. And uh, I'm so thankful that uh, you're here. I, I, um, I went to Bible college and because of the ideas of behind missionary, I was convinced by the time I was done with Bible college, I was not to be a missionary. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> but, uh, but my wife was convinced that we, that she was going to be a missionary and, and God has also redefined that for us and yeah. we found ways to connect, uh, with her heart and mine oh, yeah. here and here and, and where, where I was drawn to the U S is what I was really saying. Right. And, uh, absolutely. And absolutely. love that you guys are here. Um, and you're loving so well so it was an honor to have you on the podcast really yeah, yeah we oh we're so honored when, yeah yeah so thank Thanks, you for yeah, inviting thank you for us. I, us i'm really blown away that you would have us so <laughs> that's thank awesome you. i really enjoy your podcast yeah awesome thanks guys yeah well bless you all right yeah, bless yeah. you we'll look forward to hearing from you Hey guys, thanks for listening. We we love doing this podcast. Uh, if you're looking to find us, Derek, yeah, you can find uh, our church at rivercharlotte.com. Uh, me personally, I'm on Twitter, Instagram, all the places at, at pastorderekt.com. And it's good. It's really good. He's a Twitter savant. You really got to follow him. Uh, I do Twitter as well. I'm not as good at it, but my handle is uh, at Jason Clark. Is uh, you can find us. Uh, at a familystory.org. That's uh, the name of our ministry. And uh, if you sign up for the mailing list, you'll get weekly emails with articles, weekly articles and podcast information. So you can find the podcast on Apple, yeah. iTunes, Spotify, all the places you can get podcasts. Type in Rethinking God with Tacos and we'll be there. That's exactly right. And also, uh, like, share, retweet, and uh, and man, if you could write a review, it, it actually does something for the rankings. It, it, it does, it yeah. So. But a five-star review, of course. <laughs> yes. You know, if you can't write a five-star review or something, <laughs> like, just don't even write don't, a review. Don't worry, don't worry about it. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of like, if you can't say something nice, don't say anything, don't say at, anything all. at all. I, I like that. And then apply that to this <laughs> podcast, definitely. That's my motto. That's I like what it. I do. <laughs> so, love you guys. Appreciate you coming on the ride with us. 